0: We've been uh, looking in our scriptures all this week. I want you to read our texts again. Proverbs 28 and verse 20. Proverbs 28:20 20 says, A faithful man shall abound with blessings, but he that makes haste to be rich shall not be innocent. Our main goal is not to be rich, our goal is to be blessed. And to be a blessing. There's a lot of different ways to get stuff. You can get stuff in money without God giving it to you. But it won't be blessed. And it won't be a blessing. In fact, a lot of people finally got some things they were craving for. And when they got them, they wish they hadn't had them. It was a burden to them. And a bother to them. But... When the Lord adds it to you, the blessing of the Lord makes rich and he adds no sorrow with it. So what kind of man or woman is going to abound, overflow with blessings? Faithful man. We've been talking about this week. Go to Luke, please. 16th chapter at our other text. Luke 16 and what is it? Verse 10. Luke 16 and 10 i tell you what, y'all are a good bunch to preach to. I'm telling you. Fella couldn't preach here. Needs his license pulled. (laughs) He that is faithful, Jesus said, in that which is least is faithful also in much. He that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. Keep going. If therefore you've not been faithful, Jesus said, in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Now unrighteous mammon, he's talking about natural money and natural things. That's not true riches. And sometimes people say, well that doesn't matter, and yet the Lord says, how you handle this natural stuff determines if you qualify for the true riches. Very different than a lot of Church folk believe and preach. Verse 12, And if you've not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? Now we studied and saw in the scriptures in previous nights and all that's available to you. No charge. You can download it. Go back in the back to the word supply and get the previous night's messages. Get caught up with us. But we saw that faithfulness is not what a lot of people think it is. For one thing, faithfulness is rare. It is not common. Many people you meet are not faithful. It's precious and it's rare. I'm quoting scriptures. And one thing that the Lord's impressed me this week, many, including in our circles, have changed faithfulness into diligence. I know I didn't think that up. The Lord gave me that. They've changed faithfulness into diligence. And they, uh, in their mind, being faithful is being diligent. It's doing the very best you know how, it's working hard, and that's not true. Diligence is a part of faithfulness, but diligence isn't faithfulness. What is it? Uh, 2 Corinthians, the 4th chapter, put that up for us in the 1st verse there. Did I tell you right? I told you wrong. It's 1 Corinthians, isn't it? 1 Corinthians 4. Y'all help me out. He said, let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Verse 2, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And the, um, what is it, the living translation on this? Put that up for us if you would. The living translation says, now the most important thing about a servant is that he does just what his master tells him to do. That's faithfulness. It's not just doing it the best way you know how. In fact, it's not doing it the way you think at all. It's doing it the way you're told. And not changing it, not adding to it, not taking from it, doing it when you're told, how you're told, the way you're told. Have you ever heard of a faithful rendering or a faithful representation? What does that mean? It means exactly like what it represents. God doesn't need people that'll climb the highest mountain and go to the deepest sea, He needs somebody. That'll do exactly what he tells them to do. The way and when and how he tells them to do it with a glad heart. Amen. 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 Now, all this week and, and before this week, I have been reminded of an account and experience that Brother Hagin told. The years that I was uh, with him. And uh, I kept thinking about it and I thought, well, I'm going to tell that. And I thought, well, why not let him tell it? Uh, yeah. By technology, yeah. we can let him tell us himself yes, tonight. Amen. Because to me, it is so perfectly illustrating the principle that the Lord's had us on all this week. So would you please welcome to the platform, <laughs> Brother Dr. Dad, <laughs> <laughs> Kenneth E. Hagen, please hallelujah
1: thank god for the word thank god for the holy ghost glory to his holy name forever amen 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 men. hallelujah praise god you know the word of god said in the eighth chapter of romans there's two important verses the 14th verse and the 16th verse Now, one of these verses said, the Spirit itself, a better translation would be himself, beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Hallelujah. And then the the other verse said, for as many as are led, everybody say led. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Can you say amen? Amen thank God we can be led by the Spirit of God. Now everyone knows, you know, they'd be glad if God would use them in some great supernatural, spectacular supernatural way. Maybe to raise up someone that was sick or someone from a deathbed or whatever. You know if God told me to do it I'll do it but if we can't obey God in small things we'll not be able to obey God in larger things. I know a number of years ago actually back in 1940s I was pastor of a small church and uh, there was a family of my church their son-in-law was a minister now he didn't live in our town and my church wasn't at that time his home church but he was visiting he was an evangelist and he was visiting uh you know his wife's folks and he's there in church. I didn't have him to preach. We had special programs at Christmas time. But the Lord said to me, actually I said in the 40s, it was 1940. Was and in 1940, we're still, you know, in the late days of the Depression. And the Lord said to me to give him $12.50. Well, I said, Lord, I I can't afford that. You you see, my salary for uh, years that I was there averaged $45.15. So that's more than a week's salary. I I said, it's Christmas time. And I haven't even bought any present yet for my wife. I I can't afford to give him $12.50. Well, the Lord said to me, he doesn't have any money. He's an evangelist, and he's home with no meetings and no money, and he has several children. Now, we just, we just had one at that time, and I want you to give him that. So I finally did. I mean, it's all I had. I didn't have anything left. I guess if I'd had $15, the Lord told me to give him 15 But he knew 12 and a half was all I had, so I gave it to him. I gave it to him i heard later on his mother-in-law say to someone in my church you know i happened to overhear her say you know my son-in-law was off at christmas time no meetings in advantage no money nothing to eat and somebody gave him twelve dollars and a half and they had a good christmas now that don't sound like you could today but you understand that is a week's salary in those days amen praise god well on another occasion I was shaking hands I was standing outside the front church door just happened to be standing there talking to someone we were right on the highway and a Greyhound bus came up and stopped right in front of the church and a young man got off with a suitcase in his hand and I recognized him as a young minister now I'd never officially really, really met him I'd seen him at conventions and knew who he was and so I went to meet him and shook hands with him and uh he said, well, I thought maybe you might be having church, and I asked the bus driver about it, and he said, well, I'll go right by there. It's right on the highway, so I'll just stop and let you off there. Ordinarily, they wouldn't do that. And so I said, well, Ben, is here. Why don't you preach for me tonight? And he said, well, all right, but let me go the Parsons next door. Let me go freshen up a little bit and put on a fresh shirt. I said, go ahead. We'll be singing and worshiping God. Now, while he's a- preaching, in fact, I don't know to this day what he ever preached. I remember of him taking a text but I was sitting there on the platform having an argument with God <laughs> because the Lord told me give him $10 well I said Lord I can't afford to give him $10 because I won't have but a dollar or two left see my income is about you know about $12.50 well less than that a week and I said I won't have anything left I can't afford to do it now don't sound big now doesn't sound big now but you understand it's just standard policy then somebody you know help buy that away and just preach one sermon you gave them a five dollar offering now i know that don't sound big now but that's a half a week's pay then i mean there are men standing around on the streets that w- would work if they could get it for a dollar a day I, and that's just five dollars a week monday through friday and, and i don't mean work eight hours i mean sun up to sundown i know when i first started preaching as a young Baptist boy preacher and pastor out in the country, the little country church. I worked for a nursery, a good Baptist deacon, uh, through the winter time. Actually, we had, uh, we had uh, put all these stuff, all well, the nursery stuff, and then we started delivering them in the winter time. But anyway, I got a dollar a day. We did not work from eight hours. We worked from sunup to sundown. Actually, I first started working with him pulling peach trees. Now, they had a peach tree puller. You see, he would planted them out in fields, and then then folks ordered them, and we delivered them. And two, it took two of us, because they're two-year-old peach tree, it took two of us to pull up a tree. And we worked from sun up. I mean, we met. They picked us up in front of the post office before the sun came out. When the sun started up, we were out there in the field. Well, I had just been raised up from a deathbed, only weighed 138 pounds. And some of these folks said, I don't see how you make it. Well, I said, the Lord's my strength. i just Baptist, but I testified for the Lord. The Lord's the strength of my life, my portion forever. Amen. One old boy weighed, he's a big fellow, weighed, uh, weighed uh, Albert Lewis, weighed 250 pounds. Because day after day, different ones of them would fall out. I mean, they just they just couldn't make it. And so he said, I'll tell you one thing, when this old 250 pound is gone, everybody will be gone. I said to him, God's bigger than 250 pounds. (laughs) Two days afterwards, he fell out. I'm still there. When it was all over, I'm the only one that's left. Everybody else is gone. And to show you I must have done my job, the man hired me permanently. Hallelujah dollar a day dollar a day glad to get it dollar a day so i said that to show you that to get you a picture of it you see we, we would that five dollar offer is a pretty good offering that's a week's offering you know you know what i mean weeks pay. i said uh, you know so that's what we ought to do i'll just give him the five dollars you know no the lord said give him ten lord i said i can't afford to give him ten don't you know that i don't know this day anything he preached because i argued the whole thing with the lord Finally, he said, you know why he got off here? He said he just had enough money to get here on the bus. That's the reason he got off here. His wife and two children, the Lord said to me, are at uh, her folks, his father-in-law, down in East Texas, and he's going down there. uh, And uh, then he's going to preach next Sunday at Emory, and he'll be the pastor there, so I want you to help him get there. Give him $10. So I gave him the $10. Now he stayed with us, of course, that night. And after I gave him the money, then the devil said to me, Does he ever work on you? Does he ever talk to you? The devil said, Now, boy, you played whaley. That's a good Texas colloquial expression. Some of these folks, you know, they don't say, What do you mean playing whaley? Well, that's just an expression, you see. You remember Jonah and the whale? He got into trouble, you know, he played whaley. Well, you missed it, in other words. He missed it. Jonah missed it. That's when he got in the whale's belly. You missed it. you have given your money away now, and you don't have any. So I just thought, I'll just check up on this. See, he hadn't told me anything. So I said to him, you know, it's sort of strange that you got off right here in front of the church. <laughs> he said, Brother Hagin, I'll tell you the truth about the matter. I just went up to the ticket office and I just had so much money, how far will this take me? Because he said, my wife and my two children are at my father-in-law's further east in Texas, we were in North Texas. And he said, "Uh, I'm going to try to get there. And so he said, this was as far as my money would bring me. And I thought, well, I'll go there. And I really don't know, brother. I know Brother Hagin's pastor there. I don't really know him personally, but I know who he is. Maybe I can spend the night. I didn't intend to spend the night. I'll hitchhike tomorrow on down there. I said, well, now then, of course, you understand you can ride the bus pretty cheap. So he rode the bus on there. I said, well, while you're at it, I'll tell you some more. He hadn't told me. I said, you're going to preach the next Sunday and try out for the church in Emory, Texas, aren't you? Yeah. He said, how would you know who told you? I said, well, the Lord told me. I said, I'll tell you ahead of time, you're the next pastor there. Sure enough, he was. He was the next pastor there. Well, now, all of that's wonderful, isn't it? That happened, you see, over about a two-year period. And so another year dawned, and one of the ladies of our church said to me, she lived in another town 15 miles away. She said to my wife and I, there's a lady lives half a block down the street from me where I live. And uh, she's on her deathbed she's bedfast. the doctors say she's dying her husband put her in an ambulance and took her to several different cities and put her through the clinic and all of them said the same thing we can't do anything she'll she'll die and so she said this lady saved and spirit-filled person I told her how God moves in our church and how God uses you and she said I believe if Brother Hagin would come pray for me I'd be healed so she asked me, would you go? So my wife and I, and this lady and her mother went. And so uh, I-, I knelt by the bedside because this woman on the bed could only talk in a whisper. She said later on for me to talk in a whisper, it seemed like I put out enough injury, e- energy, you know, to holler, yell loud enough somebody could hear you two blocks away. And so I had to just get on my knees and put my ear down to her mouth to understand what she's saying. And I saw so she had said to me, you know, doctor said she's dying and couldn't live. And, and I'd said to her, you know, the Lord, what the Lord said in the Bible about laying hands on the sick and anointing with oil. And she said, uh, I, I told Sister Brown, I believe if you'd come and pray, you and your wife, I'd be healed. Well, I said, you will be. Praise God. So I'm kneeling there. So I just laid my hand on her forehead. My wife is kneeling by my side these other two ladies are there in the room praying also or about to pray and i started to pray and the word of the lord came unto me saying i'm talking about praise god the holy ghost speaking to you now take your hand off of her well if that's as far as you go you think well maybe i'm not supposed to pray for her take your hand off of her so i took my hand off of her obey the spirit instantly then he said don't pray for her don't anoint her with all Get up and stand up and say to her that I said to you, she's healed, arise and walk. Well, I just got up and stood up, bless God, and said, the Lord told me to tell you, you you're healed, arise and walk. I said, now I'm going in the other room. The ladies will get a robe and put it on you. And so I stepped into the other room. She said later, took all the energy I had to kick one foot out from under the cover. So when she made that little effort, some of the ladies went to the closet and got her robe and the house shoes. And they lifted her up out of bed and put it on her. My wife opened the door and said, you can come back in then, now. And I went in and these ladies are holding her up. I mean, she's like a rag doll. One of these ladies, Sister Brown and her mother, Sister Hall on one side, holding her arms and she's slipping out of their grasp till her knees almost touches the floor. My wife's standing to her back to try to steady and to hold her. And all of these ladies are looking at me pitiful like <laughs> but when you know the lord spoke it never pays to do anything but do what he said i said he said it, it's so this lift her hands and praise god for her healing so these ladies lifted her up and lifted her hands and we all began to praise god and then she started slipping out of their grasp again until her knees almost touched the floor and then I, they looked at me again, so pitiful like. And I said, the Lord said, she's healed. Get up, so she's healed. Let's lift her hands again and praise God. And we lifted our hands and began to praise God. And the power of God fell. You know, the Holy Ghost falls. I said, the Holy Ghost falls. Amen. While Peter yet spake unto them, the Holy Ghost fell on them, as on us in the beginning. The Holy Ghost fell on us in that room. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And that woman jerked loose from those folks that were holding her, kicked her house shoes off, and began to dance before the Lord barefoot. Hallelujah. And was healed, was raised up from a deathbed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know in more recent times, Patsy Bierman, you know, Patsy Caminetti, now, was with us here for so long. And so she went to Amarillo to preach one weekend. When she came back, said, Dad said, the lady came up to me and said, You've heard Brother Hagin talk about that woman raised up from the deathbed? Yeah, she said, I'm the woman. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But now here, you had to hear that to get this. We started home, 15 miles away, down the highway my wife and I I'm driving she's sitting in the seat beside me now to me it was just as real as somebody sitting in the back seat that's how real it was sometimes I say to people do you hear that no we didn't hear anything then I'll tell him what I heard but I was going we were going down the highway back to our hometown and like somebody sitting in the back seat a voice said to me if you hadn't obeyed me on that ten dollars and that twelve and a half I couldn't have used you here now anybody I think everybody I think all of us would be glad if God would use us to raise up someone from a deathbed but if we can't obey him on ten dollars and on twelve and a half how are you gonna obey him on something big yes if you hadn't obeyed me if you hadn't obeyed me on that twelve dollars and fifty cents if you hadn't obeyed me on that ten dollars i couldn't have used you here you see why god can't use some people in some of these areas amen Amen. i said amen Amen. it pays to obey god it pays to listen to the holy ghost it pays hallelujah it doesn't cost it pays glory to god hallelujah Blessed be his name forevermore. If we can't obey God in small things and little things, how are we going to obey God in big things? And it's not going to start off big. It's always going to start off small. But as you walk with him and learn, hallelujah, to obey for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Sons of God can expect to be led by the Spirit of God. Amen. Remember the illustration we gave you to begin with? He will start you off on the small things. Because God's going to prove you first of all. You're not going to start off on the top level. Nobody does. Amen. In ministry. You ever stop thinking about it in the thirteenth chapter of Acts? The first verse said there were in the church at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, such as mentions the names of five men, begins with Barnabas and ends with Saul. So then Barnabas and Saul were, they were a prophet or a teacher or a prophet and a teacher. Neither one of them were apostles. Now the second verse said, and as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. Then in Acts 14, 14, it said, now when the apostles, plural apostles, Barnabas and Saul, Now, notice that they're in the ministry, from reading the Acts, I believe Barnabas was a teacher. From reading the Acts, I believe that Paul was a teacher and a prophet, but neither one of them were apostles. Yet God had called them to that office. Why weren't they there? He's going to prove them first. If they hadn't been faithful as a teacher, hadn't been faithful in the other office, he couldn't have put them into this office. If you're not faithful, I mean every one of us, layman and all, in little things, God can't lose us in something big. Did you hear me? Amen. So we say, here am I, use me. Use me. And he goes to talking to you, you know, about supporting your local church, putting in a little extra. Well, no, I'm waiting for him to tell me to go raise somebody from the dead like you did. Somebody from death That'll never happen if you don't obey on the smaller things. Now say it again. Here am I, Lord. Use me. Hallelujah. Here am I, Lord. Use me. Now say it out loud. I will do what you tell me to do. I will obey you. Hallelujah. Glory to his holy name forever. Glory to his holy name forever.
0: Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Everybody stand up if you would. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God is exceedingly good. He's kind. He's gracious. He's faithful. I thought it'd be better to let him tell it. <laughs> Amen. How many find that very significant? Very very revealing. And we know it's true. Jesus said it. And uh, the Lord doesn't want us to be condemned. He doesn't want us to feel bad. He doesn't want us to look back over the past and just live in remorse or regret. But we're still alive. we still got some time, some opportunity. How many believe if we would be completely faithful and obey quickly and accurately He would add to us. He would increase us And if he can trust us in these smaller things, he said he's going to give us and allow us some bigger things. So if you would just uh, lift up your hands and close your eyes. Y'all go ahead and play. Let me lead you in a prayer and then let's uh, let's receive. Say out loud, Father God, God, forgive me me for not listening listening or not not doing anything. That you directed me to do anything I thought was small or unimportant. Forgive me. And I know you do. And I know that cleansing is here in the blood. I receive it. I refuse to live in any guilt or shame or condemnation because the blood. washes me clean clean. and righteousness Righteousness is restored restored. hallelujah Hallelujah. I purpose myself myself in my heart heart to do what you tell me me. no matter how small no matter matter if I don't understand all all I need to know is did you tell me to do it And by your grace, grace, I will be faithful. faithful. And I thank you in advance advance. for adding unto me me. and using me more more. In in Jesus' name. Praise you, Lord. Let's just lift up our hands and thank him. Thank him for his goodness. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord.